Welcome to Timeless Truth with Pastor Jim Thomas, a resource of the Village Chapel in Nashville, Tennessee. As you're considering your plans for next year, we wanted to let you know TVC is embarking on a Journeys of Paul tour July 7-16, through 16, 2024. We'll step into history and walk where the Apostle Paul walked as we visit Philippi, Athens, Corinth, Ephesus, and many other meaningful locations. This tour will bring the scriptures to life with worship services and Bible studies with Pastor Jim. You can learn more at thevillagechapel.com slash tour. This week, we continue our study of the Gospel of Mark. Now, here's Jim. Hey, so glad you've joined me again today for our ongoing study of Mark's Gospel. In chapter 4 today, the first 20 verses, I think. Now, before I get started there, I want to offer up a little quote, a little thought from Jonathan Hades, an American social psychologist and author, uh, professor, uh, not himself a professing uh, Christian or a Bible believer per se, but a good friend of Tim Keller's. Um, uh, Hate once, uh, and his name, by the way, is not spelled H-A-T-E, it's H-A-I-D. He wrote a book once called The Righteous Mind, um, Why Good People Are Divided by Politics and Religion. And I, I love this quote from it. It just helps me think some things through. He said, the human mind is a story processor, not a logic processor. Uh, later, he says, intuitions come first, strategic reasoning second. Uh, now, having said that and read that, do you agree or disagree with Jonathan Haidt there. I think I do a little bit of both, to be honest. And it's at least interesting to note that this claim, the human mind is a story processor, not a logic processor, and that intuitions come first, strategic reasoning second. That's kind of a propositional claim, but it's not a story, is it? And so I think that's interesting. Uh, but it does uh, uh, sort of lead us to think about how we think. And I think it's good to think about how we think. Um, how do you process thoughts and ideas, images or experiences? Are you more of a logical thinker or an intuitive thinker? When you process things, is your, proce is your process limited to your five senses if so, what about those times when one of your senses isn't telling you the truth? Um, how does the process you use involve your mind, your intuition, your soul, your will, your imagination, or some combination of all of the above? And if one of those aspects of your being seems to lead you to a conclusion in one direction, and then the other aspect of who you are leads you to a conclusion in the other direction, how do you come to some kind of conviction about all of that. Well, because I'm a pastor and a Bible teacher, I'm particularly interested in this subject as it relates to matters of faith. Um, how do we come to know things? How do we learn? How do we process uh, what we can process about who God is and what God wants to say to us? And Jesus, arguably the most significant figure in human history on such matters of faith, especially had something to say about this. In other words, the one who designed and created your five senses, your mind, your heart, your soul, your will, your imagination, and even your affections, he, Jesus, had something to say about this in Mark chapter four, verses one through 20. So without 
Any further ado, before I run out of time, let me, which God also created, by the way, let me read Mark 4, 1 through 20. This is, some of you will know this passage. Um, It's the parable of the sower, the seed, and the four soils. And if you're familiar with it, let me again encourage you, do not allow your familiarity to breed some kind of indifference where you think, oh, I've already heard that. I don't need to think that through again. I learned so much more just preparing for this, and I've read it dozens of times. I've taught through Mark many, many times. And so each and every time, it's amazing to me. Jesus began to teach by the seashore. So he's down by the Sea of Galilee, and I've been there six times myself. Anybody that's been to the edge of a lake, you can kind of get an idea here, right? Uh, Such a very great multitude gathered before him that he got into a boat in the sea and sat down, and all the multitude were by the seashore on the land, and he was teaching them many things in parables. So he's literally using the boat, this little fishing boat, as a pulpit a play, or a stage, if you will. And his voice is carrying on the water. And there by the Sea of Galilee, you know, there's a flat, there, you know, all around the shore, of course, it's different. But there on the northwest shore uh, near Capernaum there, which we've been to, you can see there's a flat area, but it begins to go up, 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 up like that. And you can kind of see where it forms a natural amphitheater. And acoustically, his voice could carry quite well as he's sitting there in this boat on this water, maybe 20, 25 feet out from the edge of the water, whatever the crowd pressing in, they don't want to get wet. So they're standing on the shore there and he's teaching, we're told, in parables. And he was saying to them in his teaching, and here's this parable that you may know. Listen to this, verse three. Behold, the sower went out to sow. It came about that as he was sowing, some of it, some of the seed fell beside the road and the birds came and ate it up. And other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of soil. And after the sun had risen, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. So shallow dirt. Um, and it, it just, just didn't have any, because it, because of the fact that it was rocky, there was no room for the roots to take root. And it just it was like a cut flower that just lasts for a, a little bit of time. Other seed fell among the thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no crop. So there's something else in that soil, weeds, thorns, and it chokes what little bit of growth the seed begins to have. Well, other seeds fell into the good soil. And as they grew up and increased, they were yielding a crop and were producing 30, 60, and 100 fold. So one seed would would produce 30, 60, or a hundred bits of of crop, you know, or some kind of uh, wheat or something. So, and he was saying, verse nine says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, most of us have two of those, don't we? Ears, that is, one on each side of our head. Not everybody, but most of us do. And Jesus is basically saying, if you've got ears, don't just use them to hold your glasses up. Don't just use them to hang your earrings on. Use them to hear. That's what they were designed for. And are you really hearing? Sometimes we can acoustically here, but not here inside of our hearts. And I know people draw distinctions between listening and hearing. Well, whichever of those terms for you means that it gets past just the acoustical event of you actually hearing the vibrations of the words and the tones and all that sort of thing. 
but you actually are listening, paying attention and sinking in like the seed into the good soil. That's what he's talking about there in verse 9. Verse 10, as soon as he was alone, his followers, along with the 12, began asking him about the parables. And so there are some folk who are quite curious and they want to pursue it more. They're eager. They're hungry, if you will. And I love that. I love to see that. And it's more than just the 12 because it's his followers along with the 12 began to ask these questions. By the way, I, I love that about churches too. I, you know, you often hear people say, uh, I want to go to that church because it you know, really get fed there. And I think that's, I think that's so important, but I hope you choose a church that makes you hungry for more of the word, hungry for more of God, hungry for and eager to find more ways to join God in his mission in this world. These people seem really eager. They, They press in on Jesus and they begin to ask him questions about these parables. And so he's now gonna explain it to him. But first he tells them a little bit about what the purpose of a parable is. Verse 11, he was saying to them, to you, and that's, I would say, anybody who's eager, eager to hear, eager to learn, about what God is saying. To you has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God, but those who are outside get everything in parables in order that while seeing, they may see and not perceive. While hearing, they may hear and not understand, lest they return again and be forgiven. And here he's quoting from the Old Testament uh, prophet Isaiah. And he's basically saying, listen, parables for you folk who are interested in knowing what they really mean, they reveal. For the other folk who are not interested in that, and of course, we've just come through several passages where we can see that the purpose, the motive, the intention of the, especially the religious establishment and leaders of the day was to entrap Jesus. They didn't, weren't interested in learning what he was really saying or what it meant. They wanted to entrap Jesus. They were even in verse six, we were told they were out to destroy Jesus, verse six of chapter three. And so he's getting to the heart of the matter, isn't he? When he says, do you really want to know? Do you really want to understand what they mean? And so to those folk who have come to him and asked him and are eager to learn, he now explains the parable of the four soils, the sower, the seed, and the four soils. He said to them, do you not understand this parable? Verse 13, and how will you understand all the parables? In other words, this one is right out there. It's it's sort of obvious and it, and let me show you how it works. And so parables were often considered earthly stories that made a heavenly point, if you will. The Greek word parabole means to cast alongside, to compare uh, with the intent of offering a teaching or making a point. And so here he does, he goes on to explain this particular one. The sower sows the word. Now the sower could be talking about Jesus himself. The sower could be um, a preacher, a prophet, It's anybody who's distributing the word of God because the seed is the word of God. It's the the good word. So verse 14, the sower sows the word. And in the parable, it was the sower sowing the seed. And so now we know the seed is the word of God. The sower is the one who's distributing the word of God. Verse 15, and these are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown. And when they hear immediately, Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. And in a similar way, these are the ones on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, who when they hear the word immediately receive it with joy, and they have no firm root in themselves, but 
um, are only temporary. <clears throat> then when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately they fall away. So you have some that are like the hardened soil or the roadway soil, the pathway, if you will, that's hardened. The seed is sown on it, but it's not receptive to the seed at all. Um, and so uh, Satan comes along, he says, and that's like the birds of the air. Satan comes along and takes it away. And, and it's, uh, it's because it's just not penetrating the soil there. People are hardened, belligerent against faith completely, much like those religious leaders that we just described and that we read about throughout the four gospel records that just reject Jesus and are belligerently at uh, sort of odds with Jesus. Uh, they're what we call willful unbelievers, if you will. Then there are others that the soil penetrates, but the soil itself has got a lot of rocks in it. And so there's no firm root and when affliction and persecution come because of the word, that is, when the faith is tested a little bit and when it's resisted by others, um, immediately they fall away. So it didn't take root, really. Um, and then there's the third kind, the ones among uh, where the seed is uh, sown and then there uh, these thorns come up and it literally chokes out the good seed. Um, and the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches, verse 19 says, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. And here really the category for that third you know, kind of soil is uh, it's the affections, isn't it? It's, it's about the, th the cares of the deceitfulness of riches. That is, oh, if you'll just you know, collect more, achieve more, acquire more, then you'll be satisfied. And listen, you, you and I, we all know, don't we, that, um, you know, uh, sadly, psych wards, addiction clinics are filled with people who have acquired much, achieved much, and become addicted to much. And it's because they think they're going to find um, all that they have desired, some kind of fulfillment, some kind of flourishment in something that simply cannot provide it. Uh, it's incapable of doing. That's because the Bible teaches us that God has actually planted eternity in our hearts. That's from the book of Ecclesiastes. And so the point is, there's nothing yet God himself, nothing but God himself that can actually satisfy the chronic dissatisfaction in your heart and in mine. When we have chased much, when we have acquired much, when we have achieved much, and we still find ourselves longing for something else. That's a gift that God actually gave us, that we would not be satisfied with those things that cannot satisfy us, and that we would be longing for him, uh, be longing to belong to him. And so our affections are really uh, in uh, as part of uh, what God has wired us with to love him and to seek him. Verse 20, those are the ones on whom the seed was sown on the good ground. They hear the word and accept it, and they bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 folds. So there's the fourth kind of soil. That's the soil I want to be. I hope it's the soil that you want to be as well. Parables are so amazing. And this is one of the, like I say, one of the more well-known of Jesus' parables. Uh, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke. Um, and we we hear him, in this particular case, do a great explanation of it. Um, we don't want to over-interpret the parables. Just a word about that for a second. I mean, otherwise, 
we might start uh, getting into all kinds of spiritual mischief. So I think it's important. In this particular case, Jesus actually does the job of interpreting the parable for us. And what he essentially says, doesn't spend a lot of time talking about the sower or the seed itself for that matter. He spends all of his time talking about which kind of soil, there are four kinds, which kind of soil describes your heart. And once again, we hear Mark, that the, the, the two questions that I've said before that, that run throughout Mark's gospel, it's implied that Mark is asking and trying to get us to answer, who is Jesus? And how should you respond to Jesus? And probably that second question is really on display here in this parable, isn't it? Listen, the world is full of ideas about God. And contrary to postmodern notions of, you know, oh, all ideas are the same. Everybody's ideas is, you know, everybody's the same. And let's just, no, all ideas are not equally good. It's really important that we all honor and respect the idea that the double yellow line on the road actually means something. It's really important for us to understand there are indeed absolutes in life. Um, you were not designed as a human person. You were not designed to live underwater. And it's really important that you come up for air because without it, you perish. And so too in the spiritual realm, we were, we were wired to be in relationship with God. And we run around in darkness. We run around uh, to our own peril and, and self-destruction, trying to find satisfaction in all kinds of things that are not God. And we end up worshiping many of those things as if they were God. And some of those things are even good things, but they weren't meant to be God in our lives. So important for us. So when we're talking about matters of faith and ideas about God, questions come up. How can we learn about God? Um, is there a God who's really there? Is it about human discovery? No, that's what the the, the, the first part of that parable is all about. There's a sower who is sowing the good seed of the word of God. Whether it's the Old Testament prophets, the New Testament apostles, um, the written word itself, or the ultimate revelation of God himself, Jesus. Um, we listen to all of that. We read our Bibles. We, we pray. We ask the Holy Spirit to open our eyes and teach us. And what I'm saying is, rather than human discovery, there is a God who has been busy revealing himself through and scattering the good seed of the word all through human history. And that's on offer to you and on offer to me. That's why we study through books of the Bible here at the Village Chapel. We believe in a living God, a real God. Um, and he really exists. He can communicate. We believe that he has done this. Um, we seek to persuade you that the best way to learn about God is to look to God's word and to God's self-revelation. The most brilliant, luminous portion of it is Jesus himself. Turn to him, the sower, the ultimate sower of, of the word of God. When we read the ancient scriptures, we are reading God's word to us. It's so important for us to know that and to learn about Jesus. So the parable of the sower, the seed and the soils, it's used to get us, I think, its intent is to, to get us to think about the receptivity of our own hearts to the message of the gospel. 
Um, uh, how do people react to the message of the gospel? Just like us, the religious leaders of Jesus' time, uh, for, the, and for the most part, reject it. Um, how will you respond to it? That's a great question. Uh, if you reject it, you won't get this. This won't make sense to you. If you're if you're eager, you're hungry, you're open, you come to Jesus, you say, Lord, reveal yourself to me. Then those parables were designed to reveal God and his word to you. So I love the way, uh, I heard one pastor say this once, that the parable is not about enhancing the like the quality of the seed or the skill of the sower um, or, or finding a more elegant um, use for the farm. Um, but rather, it's about the condition of the soil. And whether the word of God bears fruit in the life of any one of its hearers depends ultimately on the condition of the hearer's heart. So again, what's the condition of your heart? I know for myself, I can say that from time to time, I'm all, different, I'm all four of these different soils from time to time. And what I want to do by reading it over and over again so many times in my life and by reading through the one-year Bible like we've done is to read it over and over again to the point where I go, oh, yeah, I, sh- I oh, yes, let me turn my heart in the direction of the good soil. And Lord, as I lift up the empty hands of faith, give me the gift of having an open heart. Give me the, the gift of, of being able to see what I can't see on my own, to learn what I can't f- discover or uh, um, see myself and, and teach myself by figuring it out somehow. So the difference is I, I want to depend on divine revelation instead of just human discovery. Yes, I need to be open and I, I place my empty hands of faith up and bow on my knees uh, before God and want to receive from him. Brian Hedges says, uh, as, as regards that, that seed that's sown on the rocky, or, or excuse me, on the uh, roadway, the hardened surface, uh, even for Christians, you need to understand you have an implacable enemy. And this is uh, Brian Hedges' book, Watchfulness. I'll have this quote in the show notes. And if you don't see those on your platform, you listen to this, you go to thevillagechapel.com, you'll be able to find them there. Um, uh, Brian Hedges says, you have an implacable enemy whose single objective is to plant a victory flag in the soil of your vanquished faith. He wants to devour you, consume you, and destroy you. And I might add to that. He wants to literally harden your heart in such a way that you cannot, will not, you're not open to hearing from God at all, much like that roadway surface, the hardened pathway that can't receive the word, uh, the good seed of the word. Uh, William Barclay, the old Scottish preacher, says this, just as a great tree is deep-rooted in the soil and draws its nourishment from it, so the Christian is rooted in Christ, the source of his life and strength. Just as the house stands fast because it's built on strong foundations, so the Christian life is resistant to any storm because it is founded on the strength of Christ. Christ is alike the source of the Christian's life and the foundation of its stability. And I think that is so true. The reference, of course, there um, to the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter seven, toward the end of the chapter there, where uh, Jesus taught about, you can build your house upon the rock or you can build your house upon the sand and the rains are gonna come and the floods are gonna come and swell up and one, you know, the house on the rock is gonna stand, the house on the sand, because it's basically shifting all the time, is going to fall. Both kinds of houses, go through the same sort of stress. And real life is that way, isn't it? Much like the parable of Jesus here, talking 
about the rocky soil, talking about the pressure, the heat that comes on the this the, the seed that springs up, and but it's just there for a moment, uh, or the the soil where there's uh, uh, just a, a lot of uh, thorns and weeds that grow up and choke out the good seed, and there's no fruit, uh, and and so that can happen to us in the very real world. We need to continue to turn to Christ, who is both the source of our faith and the object of our faith and the foundation upon which we stand. J.I. Packer, last quote for you today. The life of true holiness is rooted in the soil of awed adoration. And I didn't say odd adoration, O-D-D. I said A-W-E-D. That's J.I. Packer. That's beautiful. Awed adoration, a heart that's overwhelmed with awe at who Jesus is. Ah, oh, yeah, now that's, that's the kind of heart I want to have. That's the kind of soil that my heart needs to look like, a kind, the kind of soil that's open. It's, it's air. It's got, you know, you can aerate the ground and you pull up all those stones and prepare the ground. If you've, you know, done any kind of gardening at all, you know this. Uh, and it makes the soil richer and, and, and more receptive. And I want my heart to be like that as I open my Bible, as I get on my knees, as I open my heart to the voice of the Holy Spirit in prayer. And I pray that that's the kind of soil you want your heart to look like as well. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for this parable. Um, help it to push reset for some of my friends and myself this day. Uh, help us to one more time Fix our eyes on Jesus, the sower, the ultimate sower of the ultimate um, word, good seed of the word of God in our lives, Lord. And um, uh, yes, may Jesus be the, the source, the author and perfecter of our faith. Uh, yes, may he be the object of our faith. And yes, may Jesus and his great love for us, the gospel, the good news of Jesus and his grace be the foundation upon which we stand this day. In his precious name we pray, amen and amen. God bless you. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to today's study. Take a moment to leave a review and share this episode with friends and family. You can stay connected by signing up for our newsletter or follow us on social media. At the Village Chapel, we believe God's word is unique in its source, timeless in its truth, broad in its reach, and transforming in its power. For more resources or to support our ministry, visit our website, thevillagechapel.com.